You're listening to a message from Southview Church, located right outside of Nashville and Spring Hill, Tennessee. Now here's our featured sermon of the week. So we want to talk a little bit today about healthy hearts and homes. It's a passion of ours that we all live healthy hearts and in turn have healthy homes, right? Yeah. And I do want to put a little caveat on this, that if you did not come from a healthy home, you can still have a healthy home. Amen? That's what Jesus does. Thank you. Praise you, Lord. Um, but it's a passion of ours to create a culture where we're family, where we're equipping one another, and where we're um, hosting his presence. And if we have all those things, I think we'll have healthy hearts and healthy homes. Amen? How many want that? Amen. Amen. So let's read scripture here today. Would you stand to your feet? I, I, wanna, I want us to stand in reverence to the word. I really feel like there is something beautiful about the word. And sometimes we may just go through it flippantly, but I know this church is hungry for the word. Amen. Amen. So this is Luke 10, verse 38. Luke 10. If you're there, would you say, I'm there? Okay, that's just Steve. Steve, you and you, we can do this together. Here we go. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. How many know when Jesus enters a village, that's a good thing, especially yeah. if you're in the village. It says, Martha welcomed him. A woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister named Mary who sat at the feet of the Lord's feet and listened to his teachings. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sisters had left me to serve alone? Tell her then, to help me. But the Lord answered him and said, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Today, we want to entitle our message, A Discouraging Performance. A Discouraging Performance. Lord, we thank you today for your word. May your word richly change us, and may we be changed by your word and your presence so that when we leave here, we're different than the way we came. I break off any distractions and anxiety and depression, any bondage or weight that would stop us from entering in to what you have for us today. In Jesus' name, would you say amen? Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. Martha and Mary. Martha and Mary, this is one of the first instances in the word where we hear about this family. Now, there's not many families mentioned by name in the Gospels, mm -hmm. but Martha and Mary and their brother Lazarus are mentioned a few times. It's interesting. We, we kind of de deduct that from this, that this was a special family to Jesus. Jesus really cared about them. And I don't know why they were the ones that got highlighted, but they're the ones in the ministry of Jesus that recurred a couple times. This is one of the first times we see, and it's interesting because we see these two sisters kind of at odds with one another. Yeah. There's something to unpack here because Mary and Martha are wired differently. How many know we're wired differently? Even sometimes, even just in family, in our spouses, there's differences in us. But, but something is interesting in this particular story because Martha is doing something that's good. Now, my mom, those of you who remember my mom when she was alive, my mom, Italian lady who would cook for you, full of hospitality, and she hated Mary. I don't know that she hated Mary, Okay, this is my story. This is my story. Martha. <laughs> she hated her. Thanks, Dad. Thank you. Thank you, Dad. Thank you. 
Because my mom grew up in a very Catholic home, in a very Italian home, in a very New Jersey home, where you just did things. When people came over, you put out the food. Anybody remember back in the day when people did the pop-in? Anybody remember that? See, not many of you do, right? Now we look out the, is somebody coming up our driveway? Everybody get down high. Don't let them see you. Back then you had Edelman's ready for people. Remember that? Some of you don't know Edelman's right there. You had a cake ready, a pound cake ready to go, just in case there was a pop-in. My mom was that woman. Yes, she was. Now, my mom had a problem with Mary because Mary was just hanging out. Mary was the sitter, just sitting around, hanging out. Meanwhile, Martha's like, just take care of yourself. I'll just make sure everything's done. Now, here's the interesting thing about it. We, we think it's just Jesus, but Jesus, we know for, for certain that he rolled with at least 12 disciples. But on top of that, Scripture says that there were women that would follow him and other people. So there could have been anywhere between 12 to maybe 20 plus people that just popped in yeah. to the home. So Martha's doing the right thing. She's preparing the, the falafel. She's getting the things ready. Yeah. She's getting the pita bread out. She's doing the things you would do to serve someone of high caliber like Jesus. But Jesus is not interested in that. See, Martha's driven by performance. How many, well, don't raise your hand. How about we just do this? We all have that part of us in us. There's something inside of us that drives us. That's why my question to you, Leanne, is have you ever destroyed a performance? I can't think of anything, but I will say I have a fear of destroying a performance. That's why I always print out my notes in case that goes down. I already have my performance ready to go. <laughs> so, I, 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 There's always backups with her. She is like, I'm like, I, I remember distinctly a performance that I destroyed by not showing up to it. I was in college, I studied music, and we were in an ensemble. Part of my thing is playing bass was I was part of a percussion ensemble. So, Chris, it was all drummers and me. I was holding it down. Now, that was pretty cool until the fact that the recital, the very thing you worked the whole semester up to, I forgot the time. Showed up after the recital, people walking off the stage. That's pretty bad. It was really bad. <laughs> I, I don't know what, and I had a, oh, I had a tough drummer teacher, and I don't know if the grace of God, I passed the class, but he made me apologize to the whole group of people. I was mortified. That is not how I was raised, but I've always been ingrained with this idea like performance, show up, do your best, work hard, and these are good qualities in yeah. people. If you're a parent, that's what you want your kids to do. But Jesus, let me say this, Jesus is not always interested in your performance. In fact, how does this apply to 2023? It applies so much so. Look at this. We rest from our work instead of working from our rest. Yeah. Say it again. Okay. We rest from our, she's exhorting me up here. It's amazing. We rest from our work instead of working from our rest. Jesus wants you to work from your rest. And this is so hard, but he says it in Psalms 23. King David says this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Yeah. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 
You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Mm -hmm. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. We all know this. But what I've noticed in this particular passage is that there's a lot of resting before the issues. Look at this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. There's peace. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me, some of you can imagine this, the water just bubbling behind you. It's just, there's peace there. He restores my soul. He leads me in path of righteousness. And it says, even though, so out of that rest, there will be trials. There will be issues. Yeah. I don't know if you joined the church thinking that God was going to get you out of issues, right. but I want you to know issues still come right. and bad things happen to good people. Right. But if we take Psalms 23 and we rest in him, even though you go through the valley of the shadow of death, even though the rod and the staff, they comfort you because they discipline you yeah. and they correct you, you're still in a place of rest that it doesn't doesn't overwhelm you. See, discouragement is knocking at your door. There is a resting in his presence before the valley of the shadow of death. So we're on a pastor's retreat full of pastors that our job is to serve and to give you everything we can so that you can experience Jesus. And at some point, we come to a conclusion that we can't do that well enough to keep everybody, to make everybody happy. And so here we are in a group with 30 couples from all over talking to one another and realizing that every one of us deals with the same insecurities, issues, and problems. Yep. It's amazing how you can get in a room, different sized churches, different people, all come to the conclusion that we all are performing and we're all tired and we all need Jesus. Yeah. So your pastor is telling you, that I'm going through it. The church is going through it. The last three years have been hellish. And here's the deal. We believe that performance equals our value. How well you perform, how well you do it, whatever it is, is your value. And we believe that pain, discouragement equals that something is wrong in our life. But we know in scripture, in fact, James 1, we went through this, remember? It says, count it all joy when you go through trials. Trials will come to the best of them, but we count it all joy. Why? Because there's something about resting in him as the good shepherd. Yeah. The Lord actually told us, in this world, you will have trouble. Yeah. And But for some reason, in this world and as Christians, we want no trouble. <laughs> Right? No trouble. We work so hard at avoiding pain, confrontation, <laughs> difficult conversations. We, we just don't want to deal with them. Most of us anyway. Some of you are hardcore. You're like, bring it. But most of us are avoiding pain or discomfort. And I believe the Lord wants the church to learn how to live in both and, right? We can live in joy and grief, in happy and sad. It's just how we walk through it. And I believe the Lord's trying to teach his church, church, how are you going to walk through the good and the bad? Um, I don't know. I was, I, we have 10 kids. Some of you might not know this, but in my last pregnancy on our 10th, I was found out I was pregnant with twins. And about halfway through, we well, about the time to find out what they were, we went and um, I remember this moment. It was like 
wild because here we are, we have one boy and we have eight girls. So obviously we're rooting for team boys. <laughs> we're like, come on boys, let's go. And so the nurse, I remember sitting there and she's looking at the ultrasound and she um, goes to the one baby. She was like, it's a boy. And we looked at each other like, you gotta be kidding me. Look at it seven more times and make sure. But we were so excited. We are like, we did it, <laughs> a boy. And so we're at this epic joy moment, right? And then she goes over to the next baby and is examining that one. And we're like, come on, boy. And she's like, there's no heartbeat. And so we went from extreme joy to extreme grief all in one moment. And I remember even wrestling with the Lord, like, how, how, do I, how do I process this, right? Because even I had to carry both of those babies full term. There was just no way... And, and even the doctors were like, we've never experienced this before. We've heard about it in, my, in the whole practice area. We've never had a woman do this. So I was kind of like their test in a sense. And I'm going, Lord, why are you doing this to me? Like, what was the point of all this? Yet we never know sometimes. But I did learn and even was reminded on this retreat that you can carry grief and joy together, simultaneous. And our goal is to stay. Come on not tethered to one or the other, right? Meaning some of us run to joy, right? We run to joy. We don't want to deal with pain. It's like, leave the pain alone. I'm not dealing with it. We'll act like it doesn't exist, but it exists, right? You can't avoid things we've gone through. You can't avoid stuff. You have to deal with them because it's not true joy then if you're not dealing with your pains. And then some of us run to the pain and, and cast off the joy. We're like, no, nope, we're going to sit in this sorrow. We're going to sit in self-pity. And I believe the Holy Spirit's like, no, it's a, it's, a, it's a balancing where you can be process your mourning and your griefing because there's a time to mourn, right? But also grab a hold of that joy because it's there and it gets us through. The joy is our strength, right? Even Jesus experiences this. He was in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? And he's in great grief and sorrow, like, Lord, he's sweating blood, like crying, like, if this could pass before me, please let it do it. He was in grief, asking the Holy Spirit. And what happens? The Lord meets him in his pain, right? And how do we know this? Because his perspective changed. And he said, Lord, not my will, but your will be done, right? So sometimes in our grief and our sorrow, we can gain different perspective, and God meets us in those places. Second Thessalonians 3.10 says, For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Not busy at work, but busy bodies, right? So what happens? How many of you go throughout your day and you lay your head to the pillow and you're like, I am exhausted. I'm exhausted. And then you think back, what did I actually do today? <laughs> right? That's busy bodies. We become a culture where we are exhausted by essentially doing nothing. And then we're disappointed, right, at the end of the day because we feel, what did we really accomplish with our day? What did we do with our day? The Holy Spirit has us or the enemy has us distracted. I'm going to recap what Mark read earlier, which was Luke 10, 41 through 42, where Jesus is speaking to Martha. And he says, Martha, Martha. And Mark pointed out before that it's when he says in the biblical sense, 
in uh, history, it says when you use the name person's name twice, it's not actually coming down on the person like Martha, Martha, what are you doing? It's more like Martha, Martha. There's compassion. Yeah, there's compassion there. Like, listen to me. And he's saying, you are anxious and troubled about so many things. How many can say I am anxious and troubled about so many things? But he's saying, but only one thing is necessary. Only one thing. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. How many of us choose the good portion? Or do we choose the other portion? Right? Do we choose the jobs and the errands and the kids and the marriages? Do we choose that over the good portion, which is sitting at the feet of Jesus saying, God, what do you have for me today? What do you want to speak to me today? What do you want to tell me today? Because at his feet, he brings encouragement. There's no discouragement at the feet of Jesus. And I think that's where he's always longing to bring us, yes. yet the enemy's lulling us away. Yes. So we have to learn in 2023 how to get back at the feet of Jesus. Yes. Yeah. yeah, grief is, is part of your life. In fact, it says to mourn with those that mourn. So mourning and grief should be part of the flow of a normal Christian. But discouragement is not in that equation. Discouragement is what causes us to snowball into anxiety, stress, depression, yeah. suicide. And so for us to sit in grief without being at the feet of Jesus, we're going to find ourselves wallowing in that place. Right. And that's where we get lost in that. See, yeah. Mary and Martha are really a dichotomy of sorts, but our goal is to become balanced in that there are things that God wants you to do. Right. Like we just read in, in Luke or in 2 Thessalonians. Many of us are busy about doing something for the Lord, but when we put our head to the pillow at night, we don't even know what we did. But there's something about being commissioned by God to do something. And in the process, you're still at the feet of Jesus resting with him. So I want you to know, just as faith without works is dead, performance without the presence will lead us to discouragement. Yeah. And this is where we are as a nation. This is where we are as a church today, is we are a church full of discouraged people wondering why Jesus has let us down when Jesus is saying, Martha, Martha, why are you so anxious? So I want to balance that with another story in the Bible that I think fits so well when it comes to discouragement, and that's the story of Elijah. Elijah, many of you know the story. Elijah, the amazing prophet who called down fire from heaven, lit the altar. All the prophets of Baal that served Queen Jezebel and King Ahab were destroyed. What an epic showdown. There is not many showdowns like that. And Elijah was so fixated on the fact that God was going to do it that he made the altar wet and wet and did everything possible to make it impossible. He sits there. God sends down the fire. The prophets of Baal are destroyed. You would think at that point he's living at a high level. How many know, number one, discouragement comes often after success? Many of us were surprised. Why has the devil come on my greatest day in my life? Because the devil knows that it was the greatest day in your life. Just a history, a little inside tip with pastors. One of the worst days of a pastor's week is usually Monday or Sunday night. 
Why did I preach that? Why was that person looking at me like that? Why didn't that person say something to me? We're going through those things. Why? Because discouragement often comes after success. Here is Elijah now threatened by Queen Jezebel. All he had to do was say, did you just watch what took place a few days earlier? No. She says, by this day tomorrow, you'll be dead. Discouragement leads us to isolate ourselves. You want to know if you're discouraged? Look at where you're hanging out. What happens, Elijah? Amazing encounter with God. What does he do? He runs and hides in a cave. Discouragement causes us to focus on ourselves. In 1 Kings 19, verse 4, this is what Elijah says. He says this to God. It is enough now, O Lord. Take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Wow, this escalated really quickly. I mean, really, you're asking God to take your life? This is the kind of discouragement that we deal with as people on a daily basis. For some of you, you've actually prayed that prayer. God, it would be better if I didn't even exist. And I want you to understand, grief is one thing. Discouragement is sent from hell. Discouragement causes us to lose perspective. Elijah is fearing a queen that he just defeated all of her prophets. He's fearing a woman who has no authority over him. He sits in a cave and he cries out to God. He goes, well, I guess I'm the only one left. And God says, by the way, there's 7,000 more prophets that haven't bowed their knee. God wants to remind you you're not alone. Discouragement makes you think that you are. So I want to give you, we're going to give you three ways to navigate discouragement or like we like to say, go from a Martha to a Mary. Number one, God helps us to rest. Can we, listen to me, can we rest in the discouragement? Can we rest in the disorder? Can we rest in the dysfunction? Ooh, that's a hard one right now. Some of you shaking your heads like this. Listen, I'm telling you, I struggle with this. Every night, without fail, it's an, this is an exercise in futility. We clean the house up, make the kids put the toys away, only eight short hours after that it gets destroyed once again. We vacuum up the crumbs. Kids, put your toys away. We set the atmosphere. Why? Because I told Leanne, I just need a few moments of peace because I have a hard time. Listen, this is your pastor. I have a hard time resting in the disorder. But my wife said to me, what happens if we don't do this one night? Are you going to be okay? And I wanted to say, absolutely. And the other one, part of me says, ah, We laugh. But many of us have a hard time resting in dysfunction. In fact, Matthew 11, Jesus says this. He says, come to me, all who are laboring and in heavy laden, and I will give you stress. Now you laugh, but that's how we think it is to serve the kingdom. It's stressful to be a Christian. It's stressful to serve at church. It's stressful to, to, to confess Jesus at my workplace, at my school. And he says, if you come to me, yeah. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Yeah. There is a burden in ministry, but it is what? Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you find yourself overwhelmed serving God, you're carrying a yoke that is not his. That's it. 
See, here's the deal. Rest is not a sleep thing. Now listen to me because I know sometimes it is. How many know it's good to get a good night's sleep? Right? But many of us equate rest with sleeping. And what I found as I've studied this whole discouraging depression, anxiety, is that many people that are depressed sleep. So if sleep was the option, we'd all be okay. No, the reality is rest is a soul thing. Listen to me. It's a position thing. Your soul is your mind, your will, and emotions. It's literally being able to shut them off and say, I'm resting and sitting at the feet of Jesus, and I'm giving over the cares of my soul to you. Whether I sleep eight hours, ten hours, or three hours, you can wake up refreshed in his presence when you rest at his feet. Listen, Martha's heart was right. If Martha's up in heaven, she's like, man, I got a bad rap in that one story. I was trying to serve the king of glory. Like she was doing the right thing. But Jesus was saying, listen, I'm not interested in the falafels. I'm not interested in how well the house is cleaned. I'm here and I want you to stop what you're doing and come sit at my feet and listen to the things that I'm going to download to you. And I wonder, I'm telling you right now, if I, had, if I was able to put both hands up, I would. I want you to know that that is one of my struggles. I want to do things for the Lord. This whole Asbury University thing is crazy, right? Because it didn't check all the boxes of typical revival, right? Seriously. I've talked to pastor friends that have gone there. I've read stories about the administration and what they've done. And it didn't have all of these signs and wonders and miracles. Yes, people did get healed. But you know what it had? Even people that I know went there. They said there was a supernatural peace. I thought to myself, peace. And then the Lord said to me, let's look at this generation. Right now, this generation is the most depressed and anxious generation of all generations. So what would the Lord give them? Not more work. He gave them peace. See, in his presence is everything that you need. He is the great physician. He already has the prescription for what ails you. He knows, and resting at his feet is so key. Right. And he's the best example, right? Genesis 2, verses 1 through 3, talks about how God created the whole world, right? Yeah. And then he rested, Right? See, God knew we would struggle with rest, yeah. so he made it a command. How many are breaking a command? Wow. Ouch, right? It's like it, it is a command because he knows when we come to him, we yes. find rest, and yes. rest is what we need. Yes. We have to stop the performing and come to the rest and come to the feet of Jesus. He knows, come to me. Yes. Like he said, all ye who are burdened and weary, and I'm going to give you rest I, I find it's like we do the opposite. We work more to get our rest. And obviously it's an upside down kingdom. He's like, no, rest more to get what you need. Our society says work more, do more, be more, post more, get it all together. And God's like, just let it all go and come rest. And so I, I'm, I'm, we're encouraging ourselves, rest more, even though it goes against everything <laughs> that we believe in our hearts to do, we need to rest more. Yeah, and, and this is not an excuse to be lazy. I want you to understand this. The rest that I'm talking about is actually being in Christ. Yes. Listen, all throughout the New Testament, it says countless times, in Christ, in Christ, 
in Christ. And there's something about being in Christ that gives us a rest. You know, when we were at the conference this past week, um, Darren Whitehead over at Church of the City, he said, I want you to know, pastors, that we have these things set up for you to come and be filled and empowered. But if you need to just stay back at your cabin and sleep, we want you to do that. I thought, what, what, what place do you go to that's fully t- paid for where they say, don't even come? He was saying, I'm more concerned with you resting than I am you coming. And I think what we learned in that moment is that pastors, and let's just say all of us, we feel we got to do something. And in the kingdom, many times we have to learn to rest at his feet. Number two, God invites us into his presence. Does his presence freely flow throughout our day to day? Yeah. Psalm 1611 says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Do you know that in his presence, look what happens. You get wisdom. Mm -hmm. You have problems coming up, get in his presence. It says he'll make known to you the path of life. Everything you need to learn is in his presence. Oh, and there's more. Check this out. You also get joy. And we know in Nehemiah, it says that the joy of the Lord is your strength. Yeah. So if you need strength, get in his presence, the joy. And what does it say? James 1, count it all joy. Yeah. Joy is something we don't partake in very much. And then guess what else in his presence? You know what else there is? There's pleasures. Yeah. The Lord wants to give you pleasures. Some of you have a hard time with that. You really think like the Lord's just mad at you. And honestly, he wants to enjoy you and he wants you to enjoy him. And that's all indicative of being in his presence. So God invites us into his presence. And how many know that we even make his presence work? We try to work up his presence. Naisha, if I can pray and I can speak in tongues and I start to pace back and forth, his presence will come. And sometimes it's just you being still. There has been encounters with God's presence when I'm just driving my car. I'm not even asking, but I'm just waiting on him. And all of a sudden I go, whoa, I feel the weight of his presence. I didn't have to work it up. I didn't have to shunda about it up. I didn't have to buy it or pronounce it. God just came. And sometimes it's just waiting on his presence, just saying, God, I need you. Do you cultivate an environment of his presence in your home? Do you cultivate an environment of his presence in your work, in your school in your relationships because he should not be someone we visit on Sunday morning for an hour and a half but he should be in a visitation that comes over whenever he needs to Psalms 34 7 says the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them his presence encamps us I mean think about them think about that it's like no matter where we are or what we're going through, we just call upon the name of the Lord. He's yeah, yeah, yeah. going to encamp yes. us. He's going to surround us. Come He's going to comfort us. And I love how it says he rescues us. What would it look like when we're going through hard things, tough situations, that we get encamped in the presence and he rescues us from yes. it? Yes. God, what do I do here? God, what are you saying here? God, where are you leading me here? It's available to us in his presence. And I think sometimes we forget that we have access to his presence so easily, right? So it's about shifting our mindsets. Number three, God turns us into dreamers. Do we have a fresh vision for our future? 
This particular passage was quoted in the Old Testament, and then Peter quotes it after Pentecost when he goes out and preaches an evangelistic message, and thousands come to know Jesus in that moment. He says this in Acts 2. He says, In the last days there shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. We have become a people so discouraged that we've stopped dreaming. Yeah. We've stopped asking God for dreams. Listen, I've been there. I don't know why this feels like the longest year, and we're only in March. Can anybody else say amen to that? I feel like, wow, this has been hell on earth. And I know that when I'm on teetering on, dis on depression or discouragement, you know what? I, the last thing I want to do is dream. The last thing is I, I want a vision from God. I'm like, I just want to get through the day. And for many of you, you've developed a pattern of dreamlessness where you've stopped asking God for dreams because you're like, I don't want to be let down. Listen, this is a word right now for somebody. You've stopped dreaming because you said, I don't want to be let down again. And God says, in the last days, I'm going to pour my spirit out on all flesh, young, old, different ethnicities, different backgrounds. Everybody who calls on the name of the Lord will have a vision and a dream, not only for them, but for others. We're sitting in this room with people we didn't know getting to know other pastors and leaders and God directed us to pray over this one couple and we just began, I just said, look, can I just speak something over you? I don't know if this is the Lord or not. I just said, here you go. And they began weeping because they were so heavy. They had lost a child. They had a... They had a um, a miscarriage, thank you. Just a few months earlier, the baby at that time should have been a six days old and the baby had already passed. So we began to speak over them and we began to call up visions. And I said, Lord's called you. You have been a woman of his presence, but you've stopped because you've been so discouraged. And she starts weeping. And the Lord began to tell me that we've become a people that have forgotten his presence. We've forgotten rest and we've stopped dreaming. And I'm telling you, you know what's stopping us? Social media has dictated your dreams. Listen, I'm not hating on it. I think there's so many great things. But now our dreams are what we see on our screens. We began saying, listen, this is how I should look as a mom. This is what a dad should look like. This is what a young person should look. This is the songs I should. We're starting to dream things that are being force-fed to us. And God wants to remove us from the matrix. Come on now. He wants to take us out. And he wants you to begin to dream things on your own. For some of you, you need to disconnect more than just 21 days at the beginning of the year. Because God wants to give you fresh visitation, fresh vision and dreams. And we've been force-fed dreams through people, and we've become duplicators instead of dreamers. We, re we need to reclaim the dreams and visions that God has for us. Proverbs 29:18, you know it. It says, without a vision, my people perish, right? For the lack of vision. I like the version that I have. It says, without revelation, people run wild. But one who follows divine instruction will be happy. The one who follows divine instruction will be happy. Where do we find divine instruction? The word, yep, and at the feet of Jesus, right? We have to be in his presence to get instructions for our lives. And so a lot of times we're getting instructions for our lives from social media, from our parents, from our spouse, from our job, from whoever. 
instead of going to the Lord saying, Lord, I need divine instructions for my life. And you know what happens out of that? You're happy. And, and I will say this too. The divine instruction you think for your life, the vision you have for your life is probably not what God has for your life. We've become a people that we think we know everything, right? I know what I'm going to do. I know what I'm going to school for. I know what I'm going to be. And I don't think most of us probably ever welcome the Holy Spirit along that question or that ride, right? And so we just go after what we're good at and what we think we should do. And the Holy Spirit's like, and we're still not happy, right? Because the Holy Spirit's like, I, I know you wanted to do this, but if you seek divine instruction and follow me down this road, the road that you think, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. No, I'm not going to be a pastor's wife. <laughs> no, I'm not going to have 10 children. <laughs> if you follow me down the road less traveled, <laughs> you will be happy. I, I'm generally a happy person. Yeah, I don't go through, I go through hard things, but the life that God, that I followed his divine instruction has bought me true happiness. And we all can have true happiness when we're following his divine instructions. This past week, you know, it, it takes a small village to take care of our family when we're out of town. And I remember your mom said to us, I don't know how you guys do this. And honestly, I don't either. Yeah. But we've learned, we've learned yes. to call upon the name of the Lord. That's right. We've learned to say, God, I can't do this apart from you. There, it doesn't matter if you have 10 kids and you're running a church or you have one child or you're single. There's stress, there's discouragement knocking at your door That's every right. day. But here we are, we see this glimpse of these two sisters, Mary and Martha. And then later on in John 11, we see the death and resurrection of Lazarus, their brother. And then in John 12, listen to this. We see an interaction between Mary and Martha and Jesus again. Yeah. And it says in verse 1, Six days before Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him. Martha served. I just think, here we are again. Martha's doing what she's supposed to do. She loves it. But look what happens. Lazarus is reclining with Jesus at the table. This guy's just happy to be alive again. <laughs> now, now, this is where it gets really interesting. Look what Mary does. Mary, therefore, takes a pound of expensive anointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wipes his feet with her hair. The house is filled with the fragrance of perfume. Wow. But Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples, the one who was about to betray him, says, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and give to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to whatever was put in it. Wow. That's a message in itself. Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you will always have with you, but you do not always have me. Let me say to you today in 2023, your job you will always have with you. Your family you will always have with you. Your stress, your job, your work, your career. There's always going to be things that you'll have. But we have to reverence the presence of Jesus in a moment to say, nothing else matters but you. You are above all. If I sit at your feet and rest, if I, if I rest in your presence, and if I just become a person 
of dreams and visions, I will experience another level of peace that the world has no understanding of. Today, I want this for the church. I want this for my life. I've never seen a time in history where people go away for so many vacations and come back stressed. How was your vacation? Oh, stressful. I need a vacation from my vacation. It's not the vacation we need. Listen to me. It's the feet of Jesus that we need to be at daily. Coming back from this, this retreat, I've learned so many things. One of them is that ministry is tough. The church needs to rest. And we have the answer. It's just a matter of are we willing to put him first? This is not an age thing. This is not an ethnicity thing. There, every one of us needs to learn this. So here's what I want to do. I want to remove discouragement today. We did this at our retreat, and I want to do it here today. If you're here today, and you struggle with rest, like really resting in God, I want you to stand today. We're going to pray for you. Come on, be honest. Really resting in God's presence. I want you to stand. Don't be ashamed, because I stood on this one. Really resting, really disconnecting and being in Him. If that's you today, I want you to stand. There's, there's more here today. I really believe it. Amen. I want you to extend your hands as if you're receiving from the Lord today. Lord, I speak the supernatural rest of the Holy Spirit on you today. I remove the stress of performance off of you right now. Do you know that there's nothing you can do in your performance that's going to make God love you more? So I remove the stress off of you today. I remove the worry of feeling like I'm always behind. That rest comes from his presence. And so today, may we be people at the feet of Jesus. You don't have to perform for his love. He loves you unconditionally. Today, may the rest of God fall upon you. I even declare that when you sleep, you feel rejuvenated like never before. I just believe the Lord wants to increase your rest. In Jesus' name. I'll say this as a whole that I feel like the Holy, Holy Spirit's saying, he, he is proud of you. There's nothing more you have to drum up to get his approval. But he's completely proud of you. So God, I thank you for these people, God. I thank you that they'll rest in you. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening to this message. Southview Church is a non-denominational, multi-generational, multicultural community of believers passionately pursuing Jesus, family, freedom, and unity in the body of Christ. If you would like to connect with us, visit us at southview.cc and follow us on Facebook and Instagram.